Hey Talkers, today's episode was a special episode with a special guest, my friend Patrick, who's also a language expert. So take a listen. It was a long one. We talked a lot, but hopefully you'll get some new perspective on language learning rather than just listening to my same old tips. So hope you enjoy. And yeah, here we go. What's up, talkers? I have a very special guest in this episode. My friend, <clears throat> excuse me, my friend Patrick is here with me. He is also a language expert. And so we're going to talk a little bit about his opinion on learning languages and the languages he speaks, how he learns them, because I assume most of you are sick of listening to my language tips only. So welcome, Patrick. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. We've been hanging out for most of the day here and having a lot of really good conversations about a lot of different things that have nothing to do with languages. But now we're going to talk about languages probably for the most part here. And I really think it's good to bring people on that have a different perspective on learning languages. And so, I don't know, I mean, let's let's go ahead and just jump right in and we'll see how long we can stick on this topic, right? Yeah, let's um, do it. Of languages, because between the two of us, well, how many languages do we have? If we give me five languages, if we count French, my French sucks. But sure. like, if we count it as five, how many total do we have then? Uh, you let's say add, eight. All right, yeah. Because yeah, you add nice. Russian. Well, I mean, okay, wait a minute. Is Serbian is Serbian and Croatian, it's the same thing, essentially? Or, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of room for debate, but quite honestly, not much. I mean, there's okay. a, it, extremely high degree of mutual intelligibility, some... Vocabulary differences, uh, a couple of grammatical differences, but you know, um, by and large, these people are not going to have any issues understanding each other. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we've got, well, the, all the languages we've got, we've got English. I'll do mine first. We've got English, mm-hmm. Spanish, Arabic, Portuguese, French, Russian, Serbian. Uh, do they call mm-hmm. it Croat? I'm sorry, Serb. Uh, yeah. Well, people will call it different things. You know, they mm-hmm. might call it Bosnian, they might call it Serbian, they might call it Croatian, they might call it Serbo-Croatian. You know, it's a whole okay. whole mix. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we've also got Farsi as well, Persian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have we have eight total. Yeah, that I miscount. Yeah. Okay. We have eight. That's pretty yeah. good. Eight languages. All right. Um, and so I guess remind me again because when you started. Um, yeah, what was your first experience learning uh, a foreign language? When did it all start? Uh, the very first experiences would have been um, yeah, before I actually took the field seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back when I was probably in my early teens in, exactly. in middle school. You yep. know, they have the opportunities to do semester-long studies of, you know, mostly Romance languages. They also had German where I was at, so... Um, but nothing too adventurous, you know, not none of the languages to which I would eventually gravitate. You know, it was all very kind of rudimentary. We're in a poorly subsidized, you know, rural area. Let's, let's you know, give the kids some Spanish lessons, which, you know, um, is something to be grateful for. Yeah, something to be grateful for and something yeah. that I didn't care about at all at the time <laughs> because I did the same thing. Like when I was, you know, a teenager starting to learn Spanish was the one I was learning. Mm-hmm. I right. didn't take it seriously at all. And I've spoken about that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, all right. So, yeah, you did that. Well, I mean, were you studying Spanish? Was it Spanish or French or German? A little bit of everything? I, you know, I think I, I'm not sure if I actually did Spanish. If I did, I, you know, kept my eyes and ears closed, you know, for, the, for most of the semester. Yeah. I was interested in German. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, German was the one that, that I really uh, got into most. You know, I was, was probably 14 years old. Uh, I tried to memorize as many swear words as possible. Yes. That kind of thing, you know. 
um, the, the rudiments. So <laughs> Remember, yeah. talkers, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I always tell people. I tell people, and this is me being honest. I'm just being honest. Don't try to swear a lot in a foreign language. Don't try to swear a lot in English. I tell this to myself in Spanish. Like, Sean, don't swear a lot in Spanish. You're going to sound stupid. Mm -hmm. It's not your native language. But that's mm -hmm. always what we go into it for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I come to the same conclusion. You know, it's there's a there's a um, quickly growing category uh, in my mind for every language that I'm learning or every language that I know. It's that it's the no but don't say category. You know, I don't. I certainly want to know how to tell someone to, you know, bugger off and do it in a very, you know, kind of uh, rude way. But the chances that me actually doing that are really quite low. So, yeah, well, that, that's a good point. That's a good way to describe it is the no, but not say. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do tell people that, too. Yeah, it's good to know all those swear words. Just don't use them because somebody's probably going to tell it to you sometime. And mm -hmm. it's useful to know what it means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. Okay, so we're starting off with German swear words and not paying any attention to any other stuff. Oh, yeah. Similar yeah. enough to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so then after that, when did you start getting good at languages? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, well, I had a bit of a stepping stone after, you know, the semester-long studies of you know, German. Maybe I had French in there, too. I did uh, a couple years of Latin in high school. We had a really kooky uh just wonderful latin teacher who injected a lot of a lot of life a lot of vitality into the into the study of languages um and i caught on quick you know i didn't i wasn't a particularly good student throughout you know most of secondary school but one thing i know i did really like is uh coming home after school and i would actually study latin i would sit in the backyard you know and go through all the vocabulary lists um vocab yeah, whatever Vocab the word is. Whatever that word is. Mm -hmm. Important one. Go through all the vocabulary <laughs> lists, you know, uh, do the dictation exercises, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. There, You know, that's when I first started to, I guess, kind of understand that I liked languages. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I took a couple of years off um, after high school, was uh, playing a lot of music, studying a lot of different types of music, um, you know, realized that I didn't have much in the way of a plan for, for earning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, settled, decided to settle on some other things, you know, um, remembered that I really loved languages and, and felt that I was good at it. And uh, then I, uh, at the time, was also doing some uh, history courses and uh, focusing a lot on Eastern Europe and Russia, things like that. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, that's that seems like it would guarantee a lifetime of adventure, you know, yeah. uh, places that look like Switzerland, places that look like Tibet, you know. Um, of course, now we're, you know, many people like me are kind of reconsidering their choices as, mm. you know, going to a place like Russia is, you know, less and less palatable. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I'm always fascinated by languages that had, that used different scripts, um, you know, that kind of um, decoding of the script, you know, is very uh, interesting to me, kind of lured me in. Um, so yeah, Ru Russian was the, the, the language I, I said I was going to actually focus on, and um, yeah, I went uh, just full force ahead, just studying on my own um, for many, mm -hmm. many years. Um, I want to come back to one thing that you said. Now, and about how old were you when you started Russian? Uh, about 20 years old. Okay. That was the same age I was when I started Arabic, basically. Um, mm 
<coughs> excuse me. Um, okay, I want to actually go back to the Latin because you talked about going over the vocabulary lists, right? And this is something that I think we all have a slightly, like people like me and you who are good at learning languages on our own, we all have slightly different ways of how do we memorize vocabulary or how mm -hmm. do we learn vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So when you were going through those vocabulary lists, trying to learn these words, like what, give me the details of like how you were doing that, you know? Yeah, for the Latin, so, you know, I'm, what, 16, 17 years old, something like that. Uh, I certainly wasn't approaching it from, um, you know, I was a, a novice, just kind of, uh, you know, not approaching language study from the position of someone who, you know, knows all the, um, you know, the most efficient and, you know, effective ways of learning language. It was just something I was doing for kind of pleasure. You know, I got some satisfaction out of, you know, um, looking at a word, understanding the meaning, um, being able to connect it to, you know, um, you know, related pieces of language, you know, uh, there's some, some mystery in it, you know, it's a bit difficult for me to, uh, describe, but I certainly wasn't doing it. I don't think I was even doing it really with the intention of, you know, mastering or even really learning this language. Well, it was just, it was a very pure, um, pure but aimless you know, interest <laughs> or activity, you know, that brought me kind of pleasure in the moment. So. Mm -hmm. Pure but aimless. That's like life right there. It's pure, <laughs> but it's like pura vida. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, when so what was different when you started learning Russian then compared to, you know, whether if it was pure and aimless when you were studying Latin, then with Russian, mm -hmm. was there, where there was more of an mm -hmm. aim? Or like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a little bit more purpose and, and intent behind that study. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't have a strong idea of what I wanted to do with it, but I did understand that, you know, I would have to, you know, to make any use of it, I would need to build up, you know, all my reading, comprehension, speaking skills, et cetera, to a certain level. You know, I understood a little bit more um, kind of the practical purposes behind, you know, language acquisition. Um, you know, I had at least a little better sense of that. You know, I was, uh, you know, meeting exchange students uh, from, you know, the former Soviet space, you know, and so there was, you know, it's more real. You know, I'm sitting across sure. a table in a cafeteria from, you know, some someone from Moscow, and I'm actually just putting the language to use as best I can, um, which was something, you know, I certainly was not doing with, with Latin, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in high school. Um, yeah, so that, that you know, purpose and that uh, intent informed the way I approached the language. Um, you know, I started to use, uh, you know, different tools to learn the language. I started to experiment with different approaches, um, mm -hmm. you know, extensive reading, just massive input, um, you know, all, all the time, um, trying to have fun with native speakers and actually yeah, get yeah. through interactions and all, the, all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that you start to do. That's what I was going to ask about, too, just the tools and everything, because I wanted to know, like, how much, you know, how much of your study of it was you by yourself versus you with a native speaker in an informal interaction, and then how much was, like, a formal class, or, like, how, yeah, how did your, how did your studies go, you know, mm -hmm. um, in that sense? Yeah, um, well, I'm, a, I'm a naturally introverted type of person, one mm -hmm. thing that I always liked about uh, 
the study of languages is that you know I mean ultimately there's there's the there's the the purpose of you know communicating with others and, and using it to solve problems you know living daily life but it's also something especially in the early days that I could just do by myself you know I didn't need really any specific tools you know maybe it, you know had some language learning materials or you know access to the internet things like that but it's something that I could do alone you know and, and be happy doing get and be excited doing um, so I would, uh, especially in the early days, just a lot of studying alone, not a whole lot of, um, well, not as much interaction with native speakers as I would, I would initially, or that I would eventually seek out. But, uh, you know, lots of you know, reading books, reading stuff on the Internet, um, you know, um, just different databases uh, that I could find, different fora, um, language learning websites, all this kind of stuff. Um, but then, you know, as the years went on, you know, in Russian, it seems like what well, is a notoriously difficult language. It's, you know, people will study the language in, you know, academic environments for, for years. And, you know, that's what it takes just to crack the, the code of grammar, you know, for example. Yeah. Like, it can take a really long time. Um, not that timekeeping is always the best gauge of, you know, capabilities but um there's certainly easier languages out there yes um, for yeah. say native english speakers to learn anyway um but uh you know it became clear well, within several years that you know i needed i wasn't quite re making the progress i wanted to reaching the levels i wanted to so i put more effort into networking with native speakers um you know i mean we're living in that age of digital connectivity we're not relying yeah. on some you know some you know you know language teacher of like you know an aristocratic family to teach us you know <laughs> language that's you know spoken only in a faraway land it's like we have all this stuff at our at our fingertips uh, and that makes uh, interacting with native speakers of any given language much easier than it has been at any other point in human history um, so, you know, I went to the internet, I, you know, made tons of friends online, um, you know, I eventually moved to a larger city where I had greater proximity to, you know, more uh, speakers of different languages, you know, and um, I just put effort into, into finding people, you know, if I knew there was a particular spot in town where, you know, speakers of this or that language hung out or maybe where they worked, maybe there's a restaurant, what about the guy down the corner who runs that, you know, that corner store? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of the time, you know, people, people are interested that you, you know, want to speak their language, you know, they're very, uh, appreciative, they're, they're enthused, you know, all that kind of stuff. People want to help, you know, um, as is so often the case in other parts of life, you know, you just got to get out there and ask for the help, express the interest and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, those opportunities quickly present themselves. So, you know, I would find places, um, you know, I'd find places to work. I would, I would work in a, a restaurant, you know, um, that was staffed, you know, what, at least 50, 60 percent by young Ukrainians, um, you mm -hmm. know, um, who, you know, were enthused about, you know, me learning yeah. Look at this Russian guy. and then yeah. some Ukrainian as well, you know, who uh, inspired me to travel to, you know, to go to Ukraine and um, just really opened up that world for me. So, um yeah, I just find that you can, you know, you can often find those resources, you know, um, even locally if you're willing to do the digging and depending on, of course, where you are. So. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and one really interesting point you brought up there at the beginning is, well, both of us are actually introverts, um, I would say, more than extroverts. I mean, it's kind of a spectrum, you know. I don't think there's just like, it's not like, oh, he's an introvert, she's an extrovert, she's an introvert. But right. like, both of us are probably more on the introvert spectrum. And it's interesting because usually when you think of someone who speaks other languages well, you think, well, that person has to be like outgoing and extroverted. Mm. But it's mm. not necessarily the case. Um, I do think that one key point, one key thing that we have to do is we do have to have the courage to, you know, we have to lose the fear of making mistakes when, you know, speaking with native speakers or whoever else. We do have to lose that fear, right? Um, and I actually, I'm, I'm curious to know with you, um, how were you able to do that? How were you able to get over that fear of making mistakes or fear of judgment, like yeah, or maybe you just did it. I don't know. You know, like. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a very important question. I, 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 you know, I, I also really appreciate you know discussion of how um, you know our kind of personality types or you know our general you know dispositions or psychologies affect language learning because there's a lot there. You know, um, you know, I, I, I know that language learning has uh, done a lot. Um, to boost my level of confidence, you know, in myself, because there are just certain steps you have to take, you know, you, if you want to get better at speaking, well, you know, you have to start speaking more, you know, there's, there's no way around it. Um, if you want to get better at a skill, you have to exercise that skill, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, embarrassment, uh, stumbling along the way that just has to happen. That's inevitable too, you know, and I'm sure we could go into some, uh, <laughs> funny, funny stories and anecdotes about oh, those. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I just thought, I just think it's a lot, I, I think the fun, you know, and the excitement over, you know, outshines, you know, the anxiety of, for example, you know, displaying more, like being more of an extrovert or like faking extroversion, you know, mm -hmm. um, something, you know, sometimes I even look back on things I did like, oh, I just, you know, I, I connected with that group and I joined that group or like I got involved with that organization or like I really just went up to these people and started talking and all this kind of, and sometimes it's almost hard to believe, you know, I think there's some kind of like, uh, you know, self-doubt programmed in there. Like, did I really do that? You know, was I, what was I even thinking at that moment? Wasn't I supposed to be like totally scared of, you know, <laughs> yeah. mixing with other people and putting myself out there? Um, but yeah, it's, I suppose there's uh, just a, uh, you get a certain tolerance maybe for it, or I think I, I think I did, you mm -hmm. know, I just kind of got to the point where I said, well, you know, if, you know, there's no other way around it. Like there's, this is the only path forward. If, if this is the goal you want, you know, you got to kind of go through the mess and you can't really go around it. And I actually think that there's a certain like adrenaline rush that we get, you know, like some people get the adrenaline rush from like jumping off of a parachute. Whereas like for me, I actually remember specifically probably more with Arabic than any other languages because Arabic was like such an exotic language but that adrenaline rush that, that I would get from just speaking Arabic you know whether it was when I was in Jordan but having like a real live conversation in Arabic um, just like the first language that I learned to speak pretty well 
And it, yeah, it really is. It's almost like you're a bit nervous going into it. It's kind of like a performance or playing a sport or whatever. It's like you're nervous going into it, but like a good type of nervous. Like you're excited about this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, I got, I got to make this happen. I'm going to do it. And like, you know, you might make a mistake or something like that. Maybe it didn't go perfect, but like afterwards, it like feels great. You know, because it's like, yeah, that's that's what I needed. It's that adrenaline rush. Yeah, that, that's how mm-hmm. I describe it. Yeah, I've. I've thought about it in similar terms. There's a there's a high from it. There's mm-hmm. some sort of it's like a euphoric feeling, you know. I can it just kind of conjured up some memories I had of, you know, earlier stages back when when I was working in the office at the, the yep. interpreting at agency that yeah, mm-hmm. where we both worked, you know, and I would interact with different Russian speakers there, Persian speakers and, you know, yeah. you know, regardless of, you know, the anticipatory anxiety or the mistakes that you make in the moment, you know, I, I remember that feeling of walking away and just, you know, it just makes your day. It just makes your day, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's the kind of, yeah, it's a fantastic thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I, I really, maybe I hadn't even thought about it that much for myself, but I still do get that, you know, because I think like a lot of times we, you know, we, we, we do develop, I think we develop an ego with our ability to speak certain languages. I certainly have this. Like, mm-hmm. I have a big ego in the sense of not even necessarily like, oh, I'm better than you at Spanish. But, like, you know, it's something that I do take a lot of pride in, um, in my ability to speak other languages. And I think that we do have, it, 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 for me, I think it feeds my ego a little bit still. To be able to have like a really fluent conversation with someone in Spanish, Portuguese, or Arabic. It doesn't happen in French because my French sucks. But but even then, even with French, like if I'm able to just hold like a solid conversation with someone, I'll get like this like this ego boosting, like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. and like I, I'm I'm one who I like to talk about the ego in general because I'm someone who and I've shit, I've had guests on this podcast. Who have different opinions on the ego itself some saying that like you know we should essentially totally get rid of our ego because it's bad you know or like we should all collectively be trying to help each other and not trying to like have an ego that wants to be better than other people and then i've had other people that talk about well no we need to use the ego in a positive way and i'm much more of that school of thought now because i just think that mm-hmm. i think that since so much of our like subconscious programming is is was programmed into us in the first 7 years of life so to speak and we learned mm-hmm. so much from our childhood environment i don't think i'm ever going to not have like a competitive ego i think mm-hmm. that i'm always you know just being that kid from Rosemount, Apple Valley, Minnesota, that grew up in like a competitive sports environment. I think it's ingrained into me to have an ego that like wants to do things better than you and him or her or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to languages, like I, I do use it sometimes as a way to feed my ego. This is kind of a rant at this point. But I, in those interactions, I feel like it feeds my ego still, even though now, even though it's not even like my top priority in life, like being able to speak good you know arabic spanish portuguese it's not even like my the most important thing in my life anymore it kind of was for a while but it's not that big a deal to me anymore but i still get that like adrenaline rush and that like ego boost no doubt from it no doubt yeah yeah Yeah, you know it affects me the same way um yeah and then you know there's there's something um you know there's something special about it when you can you know 
use that language or demonstrate the skills without uh, you know a ton of effort or you can you know yeah. navigate interactions or scenarios which you know you previously might have just like you know white knuckled through you yeah, know yeah. try to you know and eventually you get to a spot where you know it's 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 no big deal and you can get through it and you know and other other people see that stuff or you know they you know they compliment you on it i mean like yeah <laughs> another i mean another subject that i like like to touch on is like you know a lot of misperceptions about language learning and about you know language acquisition and use and all this stuff i mean how you know say if you're if you're with you know people some of them strangers and for whatever reason you end up you know using this or that language the stranger whatever it is and i mean how many sentences have to come out of your mouth for someone to make the remark oh well you sound pretty fluent Mm. i mean so so there (laughs) you know fluency one of the most the most often used words in this sphere of language learning you know suffers from such definitional ambiguity that it's like we all have our different ideas about what it means you know it's it's like something it's just this nearly meaningless word that you know is tossed around and it's like well what do you actually what do we actually mean by that when we say that you know like if i you know if i just vomit out you know uh, like uninterrupted, just continuous speech in in my target language, and and someone hears it and they say you sound pretty fluent. Well, is is that true? Is, yeah. is that true, irrespective of all the fucking grammatical mistakes and all the incorrect words I use, bad pronunciation, and all this stuff? You know, it's 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 a much deeper discussion that I think a lot of people give it credit for. Well, bro, yeah. yeah, and we need to go back to like the definition of fluency in a second, but and it's something that we all throw around. Like all of us are guilty of it because you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, so quote unquote like a language influencer through keep talking whatever. And like I'll have I got episodes that say like that are like titled like that, like how to get fluent in 3 years or like, you sure. know, be mm-hmm. fluent in English with this tip. This is mm-hmm. how you're going to get fluent. Like what the f is fluent? <laughs> like there's so many different definitions of fluent. I, I mean, I don't I don't know do you have like a definition for fluent or fluency you know i think it was yeah and i certainly you know i i mean maybe i'm backtracking a little bit here i mean it's, it's a very useful word it's helpful for you know learning a language goal setting and all this kind of stuff and we can put our fingers on you know good definitions of fluency absolutely um i'm not prepared to offer one right now well maybe apart from i mean the way i think about it is representing myself with the target language as I would with my native language, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I, are, is there anything, you know, if I'm trying to express myself in, you know, Russian or Serbian or something like that, are there, are there things that I'm unable to communicate that I would have otherwise communicated where this conversation in English, you know, yeah. um, that seems like a pretty good, you know, very rough, just kind of, I guess, Col- maybe colloquial definition, you know, of what it means to be fluent. Yeah, um, essentially be- you know. being able to communicate the same way you would in your native language, as close as possible yeah. as you would in your native language. Sure, sure. Not have things yeah. lost by the fact that you're speaking your second mm-hmm. language. Because yeah. if we go by that definition, dude, it's it's so hard to consider yourself fluent. Like, right, yeah. Me, I mean, mm-hmm. I could, uh, you know, people that listen to this podcast know I make a freaking episode every day and... I'm speaking in Spanish a lot, and so, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times in my life too. I mean, I've spoken Spanish daily, basically for 12 years now, at least. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, my Spanish is good. I mean, I have a little bit of a foreign accent, but in terms of like fluency, I know based on your definition. I mean, Spanish is easily my best 
foreign language. It's better than my Arabic and my Portuguese. Hmm. And um, in terms of fluency, though, like I cannot express myself in Spanish the way I do in English, especially in certain situations. Sure. And I think mm -hmm. it, to me, it tends to be more of like the little daily life situations, actually. Sure. Because yeah. I didn't grow mm -hmm. up with the language, like in my house. I think mm -hmm. that I would actually have better luck maybe giving like a formal speech in Spanish than I would be to sounding like really fluent, like, you know, doing little daily tasks around the house or just being like, you know, pick up those shoes over there. Like, you know, could you bring me a cup of coffee? You know, like, uh -huh. yeah, uh -huh. I, I feel like my formal language is more fluent, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Than, yeah. 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 I feel the same struggle. Uh, I feel the same struggle with every language I'm working on, but even I mean the, the biggest one since Russian is is my primary foreign language. Yeah, it's you know whether it comes to reading reading or translating formal reports or news or you know business correspondence or whatever it is. You know I can you know maybe you can do all that fine, but sometimes I'll like turn on a you know movie about some like hoodlums in Vladivostok and you know just like <laughs> living the street life and just like you know berating everyone around them verbally and I like barely understand a word you know there's mm. like this there's like this level of speech you know that's uh, that's just you know you you don't you, you don't typically access when you study a language you only get it when you're actually exposed to the real life mm. scenarios or like dramatizations of the real life scenarios in which that you know type of uh, I guess vernacular is used so yeah it's a the, the whole fluency thing is is crazy I always I always fall back on you know fluency scales you know or, prof mm. or proficiency scales you know if someone you know ask me like oh are, are, are you fluent in you know Serbia it's like you know well probably not you know I test out at like B1 maybe B2 you know and that's mm -hmm. you know and someone can go and you know look at the criteria of like the CAFR scale and read you know all those mm -hmm. categories which make a lot of sense you know it's like yeah. when you actually read those categories and how you know people are you know gauged how their proficiency is gauged it, they pre present like a pretty clear you know portrait of like what they're talking about um, yeah, so that's that's where I always go back to. But, you know, unless people are actually, you know, invested in language learning or have, you know, needed foreign languages for, you know, whatever purpose, like they're probably not familiar with the contents of, of those scales. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to ask, too, because I'm someone who had never really liked the scales simply because I had never really used them. You know, like I've never actually <laughs> been measured, measured on the common European. What is it? The common European framework yep, the okay. reference of language yeah yeah and i yeah um and you know which is obviously the one and that's the one that i find that people in latin america are using a lot too like i need a c1 english level to yeah. get this job right mm -hmm. um would mm -hmm. i mean i don't know would you say that's the best framework to use for most people would be the common european oh i mean uh i i think it's helpful you know um I don't know about about using superlatives, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this is that being the best and the most reliable, or yeah. whatever it is. I'm trying but, to. I'm speaking in like simplified things. Is it the best? Yeah, you know. <laughs> is it the best uh, or not, bro? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think it helps. It's helpful. It puts, it's helpful. It puts a mark on the map, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though it's you know probably incomplete or you know unsatisfactory or unsatisfying in some ways um of course americans have their own you know that what is it inter interlanguage roundtable yeah, yeah. yeah 
yeah. aisle or who uses that? Yeah. Who uses it? Well, because that one is just like, it's just like one through five, right? I mean, don't you get like a, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're like, well, that's the funny one because if I've, I've taken tests on this and I think I, I tested out at like a three minus in Arabic, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Sure. And I'm like, well, fuck you guys. You yeah. know, like yeah. I'm way better than that <laughs> because, but then the thing about it is, is um, I think they say that most native speakers are a four, you know? Right. Yeah. Because like, mm-hmm. like my English in particular, you know, and keep and people mm-hmm. on Keep Talking podcasts know this. Like I, I admit this all the time. Like I am not the best English professor. I'm not the best English speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a good language learner, and I can tell you how I learned languages and what might work for you. But like my English is definitely not like a five on that scale. You don't want me mm-hmm. being like a high level, co- you know, college English language professor. Right, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I just, I'm not that freaking good at speaking my own language. Yeah, I, I um, agree. And even as we're sitting here recording this podcast, I'm like, oh, God, you know, God, you know, God bless all these poor souls, you know, these <laughs> poor souls listening to this podcast, and I'm just mumbling myself away, and you know, <laughs> violating, violating so many language, you know, rules of grammar and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, but bro, mumbling yeah. is what the masses want. I mean, like, That's how true. do you think that yeah. Donald Trump got elected in this yeah. country? <laughs> no, but like the masses do not want like high level intelligence stuff anyways. Sure, you know, they want sure. something simple. Yeah, and I always, you know, speaking of the the ILR scale, that's that's one distinction that I always really liked on that scale is that you know they they acknowledge this, you know this this split between. I mean, you know, the gold standard isn't just native speaker. You know, oh, that person speaks like a native speaker. Well, it's what kind of native speaker? You know, because yeah. there are a lot of. You know, native speakers of English. You know, I know who are like I would not want that person yeah. advising. I'm raising my a hand. student of you know yeah. a student of English language on like how to you know yeah. how to get better. It's like and like you said, a lot of there are probably you know native English speakers who yeah would get a four maybe a three you know yeah. on that test. Who knows you know? But yeah, like the you know the the five being like the highly articulate, educated you know kind of I don't know. If, Academic, maybe who knows, yeah. you know, or some other professional kind of. Um, yeah, I always thought that was good because the whole you know, speak like a native mm. kind of standard always sat didn't sit well with me. So yeah, yeah, and this is where I want to go off on another one of my own little tangents because when I give people tips on this podcast, see for me the way I look at a language is that actually is what I'm what I've always been aiming for is to sound like a normal quote-unquote native speaker Uh of the language Mm -hmm. i've never really wanted to sound like a college professor well i don't even want to sound like that of english you know (laughs) and i've never wanted to have my spanish sound like that and i hope like i hope that when i speak spanish i sound as close as possible to a native spanish-speaking regular person whatever Mm -hmm. regular means you know i'm Mm -hmm. putting my air quotes up right Mm -hmm. now but see, to me, and I also assume it also it all depends on the person and like what they're studying for. But I also assume that more people want to just sound like a normal native speaker than a college level professor who like speaks in a super super high level way. Mm-hmm. I assume mm-hmm. that most second language learners of English or any language would prefer to just be like, yeah, I want to sound like a regular random native speaking person who's. You know, fairly well educated. You don't want to sound like a freaking bum that's eating out of the trash can. I shouldn't even say that because there's actually quite a few homeless people in Minneapolis here nowadays. But anyway, um, I assume that we want to sound more like just a normal quote unquote person. Mm-hmm. And that's always been like the gold standard for me. 
And that's why when I give language tips, well, that's why, you know, in particular, I'm going back to a point you just talked about where you talked about um, learning, you know, essentially Russian slang and how slang colloquial language ends up being kind of the most important thing and the most challenging thing for reaching close to a native level of fluency and understanding mm-hmm. in a second language because that's mm-hmm. the thing you just don't get in the book and you don't get in most classes mm-hmm. is yeah. that that's slang mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I actually try to put a focus on it not let necessarily like the, the the worst English slang you know I'm not talking about like stuff you hear in the hood of ATL mm-hmm. but like just the things that we say in daily life that are colloquial and that don't really make sense to Spanish speakers, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's not a direct translation. It's mm-hmm. a figure of speech. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, how, how is that for you in, in all the languages that you speak, learning that slang-type language? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, can you know, can be everything from fun to infuriating, mm-hmm. you know, to really dig into the, you know, the, the depths of it. Um, you know, I was thinking another when you were just mentioning there about the difficulties of, you know, accessing and like really, you know, absorbing that kind of vernacular. I suppose it's also, uh, you know, uh, a, that kind of language isn't written as much. You know, you can find if you want to, you know, I mean, obviously you can hang out in chat rooms, you know, social media, and all this kind of stuff where you'll find like that kind of language written down but i think it's safe to say that it's committed to the page less frequently than you know other styles of writing you know you know things that people are going to write down in in long form and everything like that are going to typically be of like a certain caliber a certain style you know you know um I don't know how, how accurate that is, but it's kind of a, a thought that I'm accurate. just floating. <laughs> no, no, it, it's yeah. very accurate. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, part of this is the beauty of having, like, chat rooms and text messages and stuff nowadays because we do have more access to that than oh, before. Yeah. Yep. But, yep. yeah, in yep. general, well, shit, I mean, like, one of the best ways to, like, improve your language skills is just get on, like, a dating app, you know? Just <laughs> Absolutely. Go, Absolutely. Bro, I mean, just, just yeah. go, like, go on a dating yeah. app. Come on, we've got to fist it out for that. <laughs> no, but, like... Go, like, if, if you're someone who, like, if you want to improve your slang in any language, this is this is official advice from Keep Talking Podcast. Not from Diego, not from the owner. He'll, he can say if he wants to back this up. But this is official <laughs> Sean's Keep Talking Podcast advice. If you want to improve your English slang, because I know a lot of you listening to this have, you know, at least, we'll call it, like, at least, like, a B1 level, you know, at least an intermediate level. You understand what we're saying, basically everything when we talk in this podcast, when we speak in a normal way in English is if you want to take your English to the next level in terms of slang, of understanding slang, get on a dating app. (laughs) Go on a dating app and use like one of those stupid little, they have these apps where you can like pretend that your phone's in a different place. It's like a VPN, like Tunnel Bear, Uh you know. Uh Like if you're listening to this and you're living in, you know, Costa Rica, right, And, um, and you want to get in practicing your English slang, just get like, Tunnel Bear or some dumb app on your phone that'll like put your phone in the US or even in the UK. Probably not the UK because their slang's not as good as ours. But <laughs> but put your phone like pretend that you're in Florida or something like that, and then just start swiping all day. Swipe swiping right on away. everybody, yeah. right? Get some matches, you know. And you're probably going to get a lot of matches because let's be honest, like Latinos are better looking than we are on average, uh-huh. you know. So probably a good looking guy or girl on here. Go on the dating app. Swipe right for everybody. See how many you can match with and then just start messaging 
and that's going to be the quickest way possible that you're going to learn new slang. The skills will go through the roof in no time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then, there's, you know, I've, you can also do things like I hang out in uh, the YouTube comment section, which is typically a very dark and dirty and dangerous place to be. <laughs> um, but if you're doing it for the purpose of, you know, learning some fucking, you know, yeah. Get grammatically incorrect, just like from the heart. <laughs> from the heart. <laughs> you know, slang written down, you know, stuff like that really helps. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this is, this is, uh, yeah, I have to give this honest piece of advice is that if you want to improve your English slang, one of the best ways to do it is to go to, you know, essentially places on the internet like I'm, I'm not going to recommend porn that's the one thing i'm not going to recommend but like places on the internet where people are using english people are expressing their stupid opinions in you know probably like negative opinions a lot and mm-hmm. yeah where you're going to find people writing and texting things using a lot of slang and usually, yeah, it might be you know YouTube videos, it might be dating apps, things like that. But honestly, some of like the the best speakers of a second language that I know are people that have spent a lot of time like monkeying around on the internet, <laughs> looking at you know YouTube, whatever. I mean, where you learn all of these things because this is mm-hmm. the way that slang is learned nowadays. I mean, the internet. And, and there's no excuse with English. If English is the language that you're looking to learn, you can find all the slang you want on the internet, usually with subtitles as well. And this can be watching videos, whatever. But um, this is the part where, yeah, if you want to become, you know, reach a high level of fluency in terms of being able to sound like a native speaker and understand native speakers well, it comes down to slang. And slang is, is learned in the deep, dark, dirty corners of YouTube, like you said. <laughs> One hundred percent. I don't know. There's my, yeah. the end of my rant. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, um, other than that, well, actually, okay, 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 because you know, I have another question now, and this is just pure curiosity. Shoot. Because um, with with Farsi, for example, because Farsi is a language that would be much harder to learn than English in terms of the accessibility, right? Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how's how's like your Farsi slang understanding? You know, oh. the language of Iran. Not, uh, I mean, not very high, especially since I haven't been focusing or using the language or anything like that for yeah. like, well, year and a half, two years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's a little bit there. There's some, there's some remnants. You know, I could probably mm. dust off the cobwebs or, or a couple different, couple, couple different things. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel mine's the same with Arabic. Like my Arabic slang is, no, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm good, mm-hmm. at, pretty good at formal Arabic, and can anybody can understand me when I speak. But understanding slang is is tough. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, I think, um, well, do you, now do you? Um, I actually, I want to learn a little bit more about your like study habits in general because I think that, I think a, like a, a huge issue for a lot of people is they get started on a language learning journey and they stop somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. I've done mm-hmm. that with I did that with Chinese. I started for like a month and then it was like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want this. It's too mm-hmm. hard. And then French, you could basically say I've done that. Like I go back and forth between telling people that I speak good French and that my French really sucks because it's kind of in the middle. That's probably true. Yeah. So, you know, as yeah, you, it depends yeah. on the day. But um, how did you like what was your study? What kind of study habits did you set up that made it so you could actually reach 
fluency, quote uh, yeah, unquote, yeah, yeah, sure. in, in these hard languages? Um, that's a good question. You know, what, what I mentioned earlier about it you know, being kind of like a, a pure aimless interest, you know, I mentioned that with Latin, um, that, you know, that's also carried a lot of my um, study habits or informed a lot of my study habits for, for Russian and, and Serbian and other languages, you know, it's, so I'm not the type of person to, you know, uh, carve out a really nuanced schedule or long-term plan um, and then kind of stick to it and, you know, check off all the, do the check mark boxes every day. Um, but rather the, the approaches I take, you know, the activities I do kind of fluctuate with time, you know, um, maybe, you know, like in the early stages, uh, it's just tons and tons of listening, you know, regardless of, you know, the type of content. Cause you know, I'm, I'm not interested in like understanding every word i just want to know what things sounds like you know and then um reading a lot of writing doing it by hand you know that that seems to work for a lot of people works very well for me um you know writing out as much as possible um you know i go through i've gone through phases where you know reading literature that you can consume at like a 95 plus percent comprehension mm. rate you know like reading stuff that is very accessible to you that you can understand easily you know and just combing through that stuff or just like you mm-hmm. know one book after the other you know obviously there's the you know the news thing blah 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 mm-hmm. you know, reading the news uh you know um then there are other things like obviously films um podcasts all that stuff um a lot of the time like what i find um one thing that i i remember the first uh you know really big hurdle i feel i made with russian i was watching just a ton of a ton of english language um English or foreign language, or non-Russian foreign language stuff, but with Russian subtitles, you know, that really helped me, because it's like you had the, you know, the automatic uh, meaning just by, you know, you understand English, and then seeing, you know, the the subtitling Mm. in your, you know, your studied language, that was really, really helpful for me. Um, Stuff like that, and then, you know... um, Eventually, graduating the things like, um, like you know, I'm really into uh, translation, mm-hmm. and so uh, just studying a lot of translation, translation theory, um, interpreting theory and practice, you know, and the kind of processes and like you know tactics that are involved in doing that, because um, you know, there's this idea like anyone, you know, if you're fluent in another language or you know have high proficiency in like two languages and we'll try translating and interpreting when in fact you know there were a lot of additional skills required you know um things like that so really diving into that um you know is really strengthened language skills um yeah so i guess that's a kind of a brief overview there's like six (laughs) little subtopics that i wanted to talk about or ask about there because so that guy is what patrick just described is essentially how you do total immersion in a language when you are not living in the country that it's spoken in i mean what he just talked about is you know you're 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 creating as much of a foreign language environment as possible so for his case it was russian which is not like an easy language to come by here in the u.s in the u.s it's easy to get spanish language everything okay but russian is a little bit harder so this is why if you're listening to this and you're looking to take your english to the next level 
it's 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 so much easier than someone doing it with Russian because there's so much content out there. But all I mean, the you know, all you have to do is find everything he just talked about. He talked about you know finding the videos with uh, subtitles. Now I want to come back to that subtitles point because that was an interesting point. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's total immersion. So you know, you're you're a little bit different than me. Like for me, I put like a freaking military you know routine on myself it's like well it's 15 minutes of this every day you know but mm-hmm. for you it was more just like no this is a genuine interest like you said it's aimless but i'm totally immersing myself into this language mm-hmm. as much as i can because mm-hmm. i want to learn it now one question that i have that it's interesting the way that you described it at the beginning you said a lot of listening which i definitely totally agree with you know a lot of listening is very important now you said not even necessarily trying to understand every word but just understanding what it sounds like. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so I suppose that's very, you know, very early stages. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember when I first started studying Farsi, one, one thing that just seemed, um, just intuitively seemed like it would help is uh, you know, I would put on recordings of like these language learning tapes where they have the dialogues yeah. and everything like that. You know, put on my headphones, press play, and would try to mimic the speech as best as possible, or perhaps the speech uh. of just one of the you know one of the speakers, without you know knowing much about you know uh, uh, principles of pronunciation or the grammar, or much less vocabulary or anything like that. Um, you know, just to see what I could do. Like, is it possible? Just on a really kind of like base fundamental level like can i make those sounds can i can yeah. i you know move my mouth such that it you know makes those noises and everything like that um you know um but yeah that's that's something i got from um from music study you know i went before i would transcribe uh, pieces of music or something just listen to them over and over and over and again you know just try to map it out as much as possible um okay. so that's yeah, that's <laughs> kind of where that come came from so. okay um, I see. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot to be said about about musical backgrounds and how those help with languages. But yeah, just just mimicking things, just trying to copy things without even necessarily knowing what it means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's definitely, I think, something that is important at the beginning. You know, you, you have you have to start listening at some point, and even if it's slow pace, you won't understand that much. But yeah, just getting yourself more exposed to the language. Now, the subtitles. You made an interesting point with the subtitles about how you would watch something in English, for example, with Russian subtitles. So this is the technique that I have never used. Actually, mm. I'd usually done like the reverse with subtitles, where like maybe I'm watching something in Spanish with English subtitles. That True. way, it's telling, and that mm-hmm. and that's like the common thing mm-hmm. that I hear about. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't really have like a question about that necessarily i just found that interesting yeah know? yeah yeah i i found it to be intensely helpful yeah. um and maybe i mean i suppose it maybe depends on the person you know type of learning learning style whether you have a you know preference or like a strength for you know speaking versus writing or, or whatever it is um but i always found it really helpful especially you know from the the point of view of the point of view of an aspiring translator you know mm. um, like uh, you know because it takes very very little effort obviously just to listen to english language dialogue and, you know catch all the meaning you know, virtually in an instant and then you know for me i always uh, it's always been very helpful to, you know, sim- symbols, you know, are always very helpful. Mm. The script, um, you know, um, and so just seeing like an automatic, you know, rendering of, you know, the meaning that I'm digesting orally, you know, through the dialogue of the film, 
was really helpful. And from there, you know, I always, always uh, document, always note, um, you know, uh, interesting uh, phrases or words or, you know, um, segments like snippets of language, you know, the meaning of which I, I instantly know at first glance, but hadn't really thought about before, you mm. know, grabbing things from context. And so it's, to me, that, that, um, that type of study really kind of put me on, a, on another level um, mm. with it, you know, and through that, you know, of course, if you're doing films or other, you know, type of media, oftentimes you're getting, you know, more colloquial stuff or maybe, you know, just right. a more diverse, you know, sets of information. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Hey, let's let's do a position switch. Let's move to the standing standing desk. How about that? Let's do I, don't, it. I don't know about you, but so this is I brag about this on the podcast a lot of time about my standing desk, but we're going up. No one can stop me. I'm all the way up. So we were sitting for like the first however many minutes that we just recorded. We got a we got a we got a stand to bring it home for the finish here. Yeah, this does feel better. Yeah, yeah, I get, I, yeah, it's gonna be better here. Let me see. Let me make an adjustment with this thing. What's funny too is there is the risk that we could lose this whole thing because normally what I would do when I record a podcast with a guest that's gonna be a bit longer is I would record it on YouTube as, or not YouTube but on uh, a Zoom meeting as well, like a recorded Zoom meeting, just so there's like ah. a, a backup, you know. Sure. But there's no backup on this, so this is just, this is the <laughs> real deal. This is it. Yeah. And, um, you know, knock on wood, I've never actually, like, lost a podcast to this uh-huh. point, you yeah. know. But um, this could be the first, so, you know, there's no backup. So yeah. Well, it's probably a good sign that the headphones haven't cut out yet, at least for my end. So. Yes. No, they haven't for me either. So, yeah. yeah, we're doing pretty good there. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think, were you still? Were you? Was there something else you were going to add, or are we just babbling at this point now? I think just babbling. Yeah, yeah. going. Yeah, going where the minds take us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, I think. Um, oh God! Oh, oh, okay. I know what I was going to ask about is just translating and interpreting in general. Um, what do you? Th- what do you think? This is just speculative now, but like, what do you think is going to happen in like the translation and interpreting industry? Because I-, I made a podcast episode recently asking, just asking the question, like, is the translation industry dead? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Sure. Um, you know, it might be might be self preservation speaking here a little bit, but uh, I-, I think. You know, my my understanding of the current technology is such that it's it's far away from being able to accomplish what human translators and and interpreters can 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 and, and do. You know, um, yeah. So I think you know. I mean, I think it's you know there are a lot of uh, big steps that you know, machine translation and so forth have you know, taken in, in recent years, but, you know, the more I dive into translation um, and, you know, understand differences between good and bad translations, um, you know, the more it becomes apparent that these machines are just not yet capable of kind of extracting, you know, uncoding, extracting, and recoding the meaning of, of mm. you know, of things that are, that need to be translated or interpreted, you know, yeah. Um yeah, so that's that's my kind of thirty thousand foot view of the yeah. situation. I actually tend to kind of agree with that because I was of the mind that yeah, the industry's dying and all the translators and interpreters are gonna lose their jobs and go hungry by twenty twenty five. But 
Now, I kind of think to myself, well, there's a couple different reasons that's not the case. Number one, because interpreting, like interpreting spoken language in you know settings where people are speaking slang, machines are not even close to being able to do that. Yeah. To right. interpret real time in slang language, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also even with translation, I think that you know I recommend people sometimes to just use like Google Translate if it's like a non-official thing they're trying to translate and it's not that complicated. If that makes sense. Sure. But, like, if you want, yeah, like, well, whether it's a book or, uh, like, an official document or something, quote-unquote, important, don't use Google Translate. And don't use any, like, right. machine translation that we have mm-hmm. right now. It's still probably better to have a professional human translator. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny, too, because, like, there's so many, like, little topics like this of, like, you know, we tend to, like, overestimate how fast machines are going to take over the world, you know, mm. in a lot of different ways. I remember my brother told me that, like, three, four years ago. I'm like, yeah, man, do you think that AI is going to take over the world and that robots are going to run the world in, like, 2030? And he's like, no, bro, they're totally over, overblowing it, you know. It's like, <laughs> we got... No, we're still just a bunch of dumb humans who are eating at Chipotle. Like, AI is not going to take over the world that fast. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Now yeah. we're on a tangent. Yeah, it's in- yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting to consider because I mean, of course, you know, machine translation is an integral part of like a translator's work, and you know, I can't really yeah. speak as much to the interpreting side of it. That's you know, obviously much more reliant on you know the capabilities of human but yeah i mean if you're using translation memories you know everything for your translation work that's very standard that's a very um it's very helpful you know part of the process but you know by itself in and of itself it's insufficient you know it's not going to get the job done right um so yeah i'm uh, i tend to be a little bit skeptical of uh, people who forecast you know um Translators, you know, becoming obsolete in the, yeah. in the near future. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? Okay. Well, actually, what about languages themselves? Because, like, you know, I have a friend. All right. Yeah. So I have a friend. Um, his name's Anis. He's hilarious from Tunisia. And so in Tunisia, they're Arabs, but they like they they speak. They're just funny people. Like they <laughs> they speak a weird mix of Arabic and French, and they have their own little language too. But like. You know, he talks about Arabic, like formal Arabic, and he'd be like, no, it's, it's a dead language. It's a dead language, mm-hmm. you know, meaning that it's true in the sense that no one actually speaks like the formal Arabic in their day-to-day yeah. life. Like, you know, like MSA. MSA, they, Modern yeah, Standard yeah. Arabic. Yeah. yeah, my man. Yeah, he knows, <laughs> this guy knows his uh, Eastern languages. Anyway, he doesn't speak Arabic, but he knows what they call, you know, the MSA, the Modern Standard, a bunch of freaking dumb Americans that invented this. We had to put oh, an yeah, acronym sure. on it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to yeah. make it sound like corporate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's MSA. Right, what the right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, no, like, but MSA, Modern Standard Arabic, is, is almost like a dead language in terms of people don't speak it. They speak colloquial dialects right. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any element of that, like, I, you know, of the languages that you speak? Like, let's say, so Russian, for example. I mean, is, is, is Russian, um, and I know there are a lot of languages that are fairly close to it, but is it ever... Like, like people in Russia, among Russian speakers, do they, um, are, are a lot of them getting to the point where they like speak good English and use English in like business um, transactions or is, you know, Russian, for example, always going to be, a, you know, the, the main language of Russia this is a really dumb sounding question now. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly, a, you know, a demand for, um, 
English language, you know, I mean, among, like, and this is all, all of course, this is all, of course, colored, you know, or stained, you know, deeply, like, muddled by all of certain, you know, current circumstances yeah. and stuff like that with, you know, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, a lot of demand for, you know, English to be, you know, a lot of people want, especially in, you know, different business sectors and stuff in Russia, um, learning English, obviously, it's a big, you know, as it is for any other, you know, person from any other country speaking any other language apart from English, English is, you know, global business language, you know, dominant, yeah. most dominant language throughout the globe, all this kind of stuff, so that pull is definitely there. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I suppose hopefully that answers your question yeah, yeah, a little bit. So. Like I said, it was kind of a dumb question. It, the question was like, are Russians going to keep speaking Russian? <laughs> <laughs> kind of friggin' idiot. Yeah, duh. I don't but know. the, I mean, one interesting point is like, you know, with a language like, um, well, I don't, I don't speak Arabic or Spanish, but I have yeah. I, an understanding of them yeah. that, you know, they're, um, that they're, you, you know, um, there are many dialects, you know, involved in yeah. different different ways of speaking. You know, even even to the point where people maybe don't even really understand each other. Like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how you know Levantine Arabic speakers. Yeah. You know, not as much with get, Spanish, but more in Arabic. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's you know, there's much less of that in Russian. Much less dialectical variation. Okay. Um, you know, obviously there there's some blending going on. Um, you know, in certain areas on the periphery of you know the post-Soviet Russia because of, you know, all the history, the imperial history, Soviet history, things like that. Um, you know, like in, uh, I remember when I was in Ukraine, in uh, even in, you know, different part, rural parts of the country especially, you know, I would run into people who spoke a, it's a very healthy mix of both languages, Ukrainian mm. and Russian, you know, Surzhik, as some oh, people call it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so that, I mean, that kind of stuff exists definitely where there's, um, you know, sort of like a, a mix of language or, you know, there's a lot of different word substitutions, um, things like that. But Russian, you know, seems that it's highly standardized, you know, across mm. the, you know, the territories where it's an official language, you know, all across Russia and things like that. Of course, there, you know, there's some, you know, words, you know, or expressions maybe that people would use in Petersburg that they don't use in like, yeah. you know, whichever other city, you know, in central Siberia or the far East or something yeah. like that. There's, you know, there's always going to be that kind of stuff with any language. Um, but yeah, not to the, you know, the extent that you see in say Arabic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, so, well, um, and, and what about the other languages, for example, you know, like, you know, Serbo Croatian, um, and then with Farsi, I mean, is, Oh, I'm totally just deviating here now, but I actually want to ask you about, because, you know, Farsi and Persian is a language, well, Persian, I guess I'll call it, is spoken in Iran, spoken in Afghanistan, um, and it's, well, you know, it's a different version, essentially, of Persian in Afghanistan, and then also <laughs> in, I mean, which which other countries is it? Tajikistan. Tajikistan. Yeah, Tajik yeah, yeah. is that. Okay. Yeah. Dialect of Persian. And the, yeah. yeah, these are dialects. Uzbekistan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and what's like the level of understanding like in those countries? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Um, I'm a little bit less knowledgeable in this area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I I've never been to any of those countries. Yeah. Um, so very limited experience there. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, but I've heard, um, you know, speakers of, well, speakers from, Persian speakers from Iran, northern Afghanistan, and Tajikistan all, you know, talk about relatively high degrees of mutual intelligibility, you know, the differences in these languages, especially, you know, Tajik is largely political. Um, that, for example, was a push to mm. differentiate, you know, um, Persian speakers within the Soviet Union from the Persian speakers, you know, uh, next door, uh, which okay. would, you know, different, like drive a wedge between them, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay. It's written in the Cyrillic alphabet. It's very mm. strange. Um, and you know, so, so. Did, did this happen kind of early 19th century when the Soviet Union was gain, or early 20th century, sorry, when the Soviet Union was, you know, gaining power? Or? Yeah, yeah. The actual, the actual, um, Switch. I'm not sure of the exact year, um, but yeah, using yeah. A, a Persian language written with a, <laughs> a Cyrillic script. It's really, mm. really quite fascinating. Okay, so. where they get that Cyrillic script? I used to think it was called acrylic. I didn't even know. Oh, um, sure. Cyrillic yeah. script. I mean, I, I don't know. So is, is like the original language written in? What's the original language that's written in it? Do you have any idea? Oh uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, Cyrillic. It's named after uh, monk Cyril mm. and. Methodius, Cyril and Methodius with these two. I think uh, people are oftentimes fighting about the ethnicity and the origins, yeah, but yeah. you know, like uh, we usually Greek do that. Or Bulgarian. I think they might have been Bulgarian monks who came <laughs> up. I'm giving you like my like my um, like C plus history yeah. history lecture right now. Yep, you know, yeah. but you know, um, yeah, Slavic, you know, Orthodox Christian monks who came up from you know a very southeastern part of the Balkan Peninsula. And uh, imparted the script upon uh, speakers of, you know, was then, I guess, um, yeah, like an old, you know, Middle Russian, you know, mm. Russian speakers. And so that's the, the source of, you know, Cyrillic alphabets, um, okay. which are, of course, now used, you know, for uh, East Slavic languages, lot, yeah. some South Slavic languages, you know, and then, you know, things like Tajik and, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it's proliferated. Quite, quite far. Okay, yeah. Um, it's funny too because like when I think about monks, just when you when you say like you know monks from back in the day, I'm like, well, they have to be like from Tibet, you know. Like I think of I think of Tibetan monks, you know, oh, sure. only yeah. as like the only thing, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, so I'm just like, I'm just like, no, 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 that's wrong. That's incorrect history. Bulgarian monks? No, 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 no. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we always have these like, little biases when we think about stuff. Um, okay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then. Because so now learning learning Cyrillic, I mean, it's not that much different from like the the English or Spanish letters, right? I mean, in the sense of, you know, okay, it's not as different as like Arabic script or you know Farsi, right? Right. It's, yeah. It's, you know, there's a little bit more familiarity there for, I guess, users of a Latin script. You know, there yeah. uh, there are a handful of um, you know characters which symbolize you know the same sounds same ideas there are some um familiar characters that you know make different sounds there you know depending on which language um you're actually looking at there are some you know completely foreign characters unique characters um things like that so but it's you know it's something you get used to yeah you know um it's fun yeah you know it's kind of it's interesting it's got a you know a certain style to it that's kind of yeah, lures you in. So. Yeah. Well, dude, that's what Arabic script is like for me. Arabic script mm-hmm. is still, like, fun. And I've even, we've even mentioned some of There's something a little bit like, um, what's the word? Like, oh, gosh. 
gosh, I can't even think of a good word to describe it, but it kind of like it, it it's just like lures you in because of like the the flow of it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Because I, I was going to ask you like with learning mm-hmm. Farsi, you know, because it's essentially the same types of letters. So how did you mm-hmm. learn the alphabet in Farsi? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, lots of lots of writing. Yeah, um, yeah um, especially with Farsi, I you know I wrote and do write a lot with other languages but with with farsi even more so you know i was really just really into writing all the time like just you know i mean it's uh, it's it's peaceful (laughs) it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a yeah like a um almost like a meditative activity maybe you know there's some it's it's really beautiful and there's something special about you know learning to just get in the flow of it and and all that so um it's almost like artwork you know yes um, kind mm-hmm. of so and, and people make artwork with it you know the time yeah. it lends itself well to artistic expression and all that so yeah, yeah. no i mean the, yeah it's a beautiful script i mean the arabic farsi script you can say what you want about like the languages themselves because they got a lot of like ha and, and rain and stuff <laughs> in there that kind of sounds gross you know it sounds like you're coughing up a hairball but like the script of the languages is definitely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What did you think about the uh, coffee with the MCT oil? I, I I thought it was good. I liked the I liked the consistency. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't really affect the flavor, which I suppose is a, a plus. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think ultimately, so. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm into it. We'll see uh, how the rest of the day goes. You know what the what the residual effects are. Yeah, bro. Because <laughs> you know, for the listeners, as we're recording this, it's Saturday afternoon, and like I don't know about Patrick, but I didn't get that much sleep last night. So I'm like on the fourth cup of coffee today, right? And we've just we've been hanging out since around like eleven o'clock in the morning. And just we're just powering through the day now. We're like, well, we got to make a podcast because you know you're really good at languages too. And I really I needed to offer these listeners something other than my own dumb opinions, you know. <laughs> because like I said, for me, I just I offer them like the same thing over and over. Like, don't worry about grammar that much. Focus on <laughs> vocabulary. Learn the slang expressions. Mm-hmm. Go get them. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And just to interject there a little bit, yeah. I've always been, you know, the mindset like. You can, you know, with a, you know, a language like Russian, for example, that's so heavily inflected. It's got affixes and prefixes just fucking everywhere. You got yeah. to master all these variations, eleven different classes of verbs. It's all, you know, conjugate differently. All this kind of stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're starting out studying the language and you get introduced to those rules, I mean, unless you're a savant of some sort, maybe you know, fifteen percent of that sticks, and the rest you just got to learn through you know, through road, through exercise, through doing it, through hearing, through conversation mm. with people, you know, like, yeah, whether it's watching a movie or, like, talking with another person, it's like, you're going to have these emotional memories that make all the rules stick, you know, the, the rules, oh. like, they're not, you know, in, in my experience, you know, this, those aren't things that you're just going to, like, read in a book and then walk away having absorbed all the knowledge yeah. you need to speak the language, like, you know, this masterful way, like, takes tons of stumbling and like for me i gotta throw all this stuff at the wall like 30 million you know however many times and just a little bit more sticks each time you know it's just like so i'm not you know so the grammar thing it's like yeah but on the other on the other hand you know like i do know that because 
my study of languages has been largely informal, you know, because yeah. I haven't been, you know, in the classroom drilling with tutors or whatever it is, that there are certain things I do miss, certain fundamentals about each language, you know, maybe even like simple principles, you know, and even maybe I can, maybe I apply them correctly, but I don't know, in, you know, intellectually that I'm doing it correctly, you know, and then there are probably, you know, even more areas where I'm doing it incorrectly, you know, yeah. and it's maybe something that, who knows, like a second year student would have, you know, been given this simple rule to clear up that confusion pretty early on. But I missed it because, you know, they're in the classroom with professional teachers and I'm in my room, you know, yeah, yeah. monkeying around on the internet. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, pros and cons to all these different approaches. And, bro, know. but monkeying around on the internet wins a lot of times in, in language. Mm. It, it, it's, it's a better way to learn languages a lot of times mm. than a typical classroom setting. Well, ultimately, what you want is a mix of both. Yeah, you know? yeah I think um, so. But, and... Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, the, the emotional memory, like you talked about, is interesting. Um, you know, I think I've never put it into those words before, like the, the context of how to memorize vocab, which this is another point that I like, I'll rag on language teachers all the mm. time. They'll be like, well, we don't want to memorize vocab. We don't want to do memorization techniques. I'm like, we need to memorize vocab, okay? We, we have to do it. Whether you want to call it memorization of vocab, that's what we need to do, okay? We are memorizing vocab. Quit sugarcoating shit. But I've never, like, put it in that context. Because that's, like, essentially what I tell people is, like, when we study vocabulary, we need to do it in a con like we need to use words in a context. So if you've got a list of ten words you're studying, mm -hmm. and I say mm -hmm. that ten words a day is great mm -hmm. because that's how you can get to, you know, if you look at the idea that to speak English at a bilingual level, you need ten thousand words of active vocabulary. They, yeah. they kind of say right. that. If if you do the math on that, it's essentially learn and memorize 10 new words per day for three years, about three years, okay? Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a firm believer that you can do that in 10 or 20 minutes of concentrated study per day. Sure. Just to learn, you know, 10 new words every day, essentially. And But what I tell people is when you're learning those 10 new words, it's you can't just, like, look at a list of words and just be like, okay, yeah, that's that word, that's that. Yeah. It needs yeah, to yeah. be done in a context. And what you said is mm -hmm. that, you know, emotional memory. Like, when you say to create, like, the emotional, you know, memory of a word, like, what do you mm -hmm. mean? Are you talking about just practicing it in a context or, like? Yeah, largely. And I might have even just, you know, used the wrong word there. But there's a sense that, you know, especially when you're in conversation with someone just, you know, doing the face-to-face -face routine. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, I, I don't understand all the psychology behind it to, you know, maybe describe it accurately, but, you know, for some reason when that person stops you and corrects you, you know, maybe offers like a brief explanation about, you know, why what you said is incorrect and why, you know, this option is like more correct or better or whatever. It's like that, that really sticks with you, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I suppose... It's, you know, attaching, attaching it to an experience, you know, an experience that you actually had in real life, you know, in, in waking life. And that, you know, makes it much easier to retrieve that information, you know, at the necessary moment. When, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I had that one experience three years ago with that one person I saw for just 10 minutes in this foreign country. And they gave me this advice or I heard them say this, which tells me that, you know, this is a better way to put it and yeah. not this way. and. You know, it just it just takes. It seems like it takes so little to like really burn that into your memory for yeah. it to just stick. You know. Yeah, when it's um, like a real event like that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's really funny the whole. <laughs> 
yeah, the whole, you know, the con- contact, the necessity of contacts, you know, like really needing to have that. I remember um, one language learning platform that I was, was, uh, was doing it for Greek. Yeah. yeah. Like a couple of years ago, I had a couple, maybe a month where I was really enthused about Let's Greek. Let's get it. Yeah, school, yeah, yeah. Which I love. I love the language, you know. It's, it's, it's yeah. why I would love to learn it more, study it more and everything. But, um, y- you know, so in this language learning platform, you know, is they um, introduced vocabulary slowly and, you know, with each new word. Uh, say provided maybe three or four sentences, you know, because they understand that they want you know to teach you the word, the context, and so. But some of the examples they selected were so bad. Like <laughs> mm. I think there was there was one where um, they were teaching the verb like to lose something, um, you know, um, lose maybe even as in like misplace. And the, mm. the sample sentence they gave, I don't remember exactly what it was, but some. Something that you would that you know, someone learning the language would never need to say would rarely yeah. encounter. You know, if like I, like when we're talking about like context, like give people context that is like probable or likely yeah. or you know, like I'm not like losing the report on the you know lab test. No, like tell them fucking yeah. like how to say like I, I lost, lost my keys, yeah, like, you know, or, <laughs> yes. like, was, or something, something like basic and you know. <laughs> Maybe something that could help them in a you know a bad situation or whatever. You lost your passport, or you, you know, there, lost yeah. your ticket. But like losing some object, like which you like likely have never yeah. held or like will not encounter over the course of like daily life or even when traveling. It's like, Dude, you know, those I just are, thought that was kind of funny. It's like, what are you guys doing? Those are the you know? worst sometimes when you'll see like a language learning program or course that. They, they'll start you off. Okay, when I say study vocabulary, I, I do. I, I say this all the time. Focus on vocabulary instead of grammar. Don't focus on stupid vocabulary, okay? <laughs> what I mean by stupid vocabulary is like these language learning programs that'll like start you off with a way to, they'll do it like as a way to like memorize the alphabet, right? Yeah. And they'll yeah. give you like 26 words in English for like a freaking beginner, right? Mm-hmm. And the words will be like A for apricot and like get down to like P and it's like pigeon, you know? And like, why the fuck am I learning how to say <laughs> apricot and pigeon? Yeah, you know? on day two. Yeah, on day two. Yeah, teach, yeah. teach me how to say hello. Yeah. How are you? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they get all these ridiculous words. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. 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 No, the, 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 the lost thing is a great example. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've lost my pigeon. Like, no, yeah. you didn't lose yeah. your pigeon. Yeah. Where's my <laughs> keys, damn it? Uh, another funny, you just reminded me of another funny um, example. When I was uh, I was in Athens, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, sitting yeah. around a table with people, we're talking about all the languages we speak, you know, counting who knows which languages, yeah. whatever. And then one of them had this. Uh, you know, he just started. Oh, it's you know. Oh, she speaks. You know, Finnish. Okay, can you say the? Can you sing the Finnish alphabet? Okay, she sings the Finnish alphabet. And like, oh, what's what's the Greek alphabet? Okay, this guy sings the Greek alphabet. And they're like, can you sing the Russian alphabet, Patrick? And I'm like, guys, I'm in love with you. I don't fucking know the Russian alphabet <laughs> because like, yeah. well, and they're like, oh, that's you know, seems kind of strange. You know, you speak language at like a, a pretty high uh, yeah. level, but you know, you just know the alphabet. What's up with that? And it's well. You know, I, because my language study is an informal. When I was 20 years old and I said, oh, I want to learn Russian, like, 
Like, I didn't want to look. I didn't sit down and say, oh, well, the first thing I should do is find a YouTube video with the Russian alphabet yeah. and how to sing it perfectly. It's a, like, B, C, yeah, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. I want to speak the language, so I'm not going to go to the alphabet. I mean, obviously, you need to learn how to pronounce yeah. the letters and shit like that, but, like, you know, it's. I wanted to do the thing. Yeah. I didn't want to just, you know, and learning the alphabet just seemed like, okay, well, yeah. you know, how, you know, relevant has, like, the English alphabet been to me for, like, speaking English or learning English? And there's, yeah. like, some, you know, when you're a kid and it's absorbing the fundamentals, sure, sure, sure. But if I'm 20 years old and I'm, like, stoked about speaking a language, learning to yeah. read it, write it, I'm not going to, like, yeah. spend time memorizing an alphabet. I'm yeah. just going to do the thing. I'm just yeah. going to learn different words and, and learn through doing, you yeah. know, instead of focusing on, like, these kind of rudimentary exercises. You yeah. Know? So, well, I was going to say, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but we actually are very similar then because, I mean, I, I couldn't do it in Arabic either. Like, if you asked me to, like, sing the Arabic alphabet, yeah. I, mean, I, know, I, yeah. I, I think I know all of the letters, not sure. in order. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, I mean, even in, like, Spanish, I mean, it's basically the same as English but with a couple little, you know, twerks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I could say it or definitely not sing it in the proper order. Right? Yeah. And definitely yeah. not with Portuguese. There's too many, like, cedilias and little, you know. Sure. On top of like the letters, I, yeah, I can't mm-hmm. do it. Because um, so we actually have a very similar philosophy in terms of like, no, I, I just I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to understand people, and I want to be able to talk to people. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and reciting reciting ABCs for someone, you yeah. know, after saying hello and telling them your name is not going to produce yeah. a very fruitful interaction. You know, it's like, yeah, that guy's kind of psycho, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came up to me and started. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this guy singing the album? <laughs> it's in a wacko. Yeah. Anyway, Dude. but you were saying, yeah. No, no. Well, I, this brings an important point too because it's like, is there an order that you have to follow of like what you learn first when learning a language? For example, like like a lot of people will pick the alphabet. Like that's what you're supposed to start with. Like, no, screw the alphabet. You know, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to memorize the alphabet right away. Like, teach me how to say some of the basic phrases is what I think is the most important. Teach thing. me how to yeah. say like I don't speak the language well. That's a good or start. Something. Yeah, that, I don't understand. Yeah. That that's yeah. actually a very good something. One of the first couple phrases we should always <laughs> learn. Like, I don't speak blank. Well, you know, um, yeah, that's a good start. But I mean, what what do you think though, in, in terms of like order of like what we should learn first? Like after you get those first basic phrases down, where do you go from there? Oh well, I don't know. I think part of me think that thinks that it's like dictated a lot by interests because you know they always say like, and it's true. Like you you can learn faster if you're consuming material that's of interest to you. You know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I I think that's you know. I should reiterate here that, like, I'm not a language teacher. I mm-hmm. just share my own experience, you know, what has worked for me. But I think, yeah, just, you know, making sure it's interesting to you and one way you can do that is, like, by consuming material that's, you know, yeah. interesting to you, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's probably my best yeah. advice. I think, you know, like read stuff you want to read or, you know, I mean, that's not always possible, obviously, mm-hmm. like depending on but what stage you're at. But yeah, you can find a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. and by the way, you don't have to put the disclaimer up there of like, I'm not a language teacher. That's what I do in the episodes where I'm talking about like health stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a doctor. You know, we, yeah, you should go sure. to a doctor. But like for, <laughs> for language teachers, like we're, 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 we're more qualified than most language professors to speak about this. Okay. Because both of us mm-hmm. have learned multiple hard languages, mostly on our own. 
Okay, mm-hmm. most language professors have not done that. All right, this is the problem. Like, and, and I will, I will talk shit about language professors on here, and then invite them here to do a podcast with me if they want. Right, mm-hmm. but I'll talk shit about them all day on here just because of the overemphasis on things like, well, you know, grammar, verb conjugation charts, the frickin' alphabet, you know, vocabulary yeah, charts sure. with words like apricot and pigeon, <laughs> and you know, a lack of emphasis on just. On getting out and learning how to speak in standard environments, just say mm-hmm. basic phrases in normal conversation environments. Mm-hmm. There's such a lack of conversation. And this is one thing that Keep Talking's programs, which I don't talk that much about on the podcast, but the paid Keep Talking programs do a pretty good job of getting people speaking in a context, you know, actually just practicing the language in a context using normal mm-hmm. language and mm-hmm. speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. rant there. Yeah. That's a good rant. That's a good rant. That's yeah. a good rant. Yeah. yeah, we've been talking for a while. I don't know. I mean, um, any? I mean, I don't know. Any any final thoughts that you want to add? Um, oh, um, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Just uh, keep 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 it fun. Yes. Make sure make sure you're interested in it. You know. There you go. Do I mean it's good to work hard? It's good to be you know obviously be persistent. You know. But also, just you know, don't kill yourself about it. Don't beat yourself up about it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. always, it's it's really easy to, um, you know, to have an idea about you know someone else's capabilities with language and stuff. But there's so much, there's so many factors involved. You know, there's mm. you know, um, yeah. So it's you know, it, you can always be, you know, shooting for a certain goal, and you know, um, but ultimately, just yeah. Try to lean into the fun of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, and keep it, Abs- keep it lively and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Keep it fun, and the biggest way that you mm-hmm. keep it fun is it mostly just following that content that you like, um, or, or. Oh, that was a question. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I bet. Uh, for for me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keeping it, um, yeah, with people. I mean, I I love like the 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 written word. I like. I like being able to, you know, just sit and work with the document, to work with script and symbols and all that kind of stuff. That really yeah. fascinates me. But I also, like you said, there's a certain, there's a certain, you know, high that comes from just, you know, being with other people and, you know, live discourse, live use of language face-to-face and using it to solve problems, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, accomplish different different things. Um, that's also really exciting, too. So, yeah, you know, make sure you talking with people yeah yeah trying to stay connected and uh yeah yeah keep it fun and make sure you're you're talking with people keep fun keep it fun and keep talking yeah there we go yeah like i throw it so cheesy i throw that in there like every three episodes like (laughs) keep talking that's the key you know yeah well, we'll wrap things up. So this is usually so for the listeners. Patrick is someone who you know he's not stupid like the rest of us. He doesn't use a lot of like social media, for example. So this is where like normally at the end of an episode, you know, I would ask a guest or they would do this on every podcast and be like, "Hey, where do you want people to follow you?" And then they'll be like, "Well, you know, my Instagram handle is John J Bob at this blah 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 blah. <laughs> Find me on YouTube and the I don't know anything. Would you have anything that you would want to say to the listeners if they want? I don't know, to ask you questions about languages or just connect with you in any way, or do you want to just remain totally Yeah, well, the, the first the thing grid. I would say is that, is that don't follow me. There you um, go. But, the, but the second thing I would <laughs> say is uh, Sean has all my information. Okay, yep. So contact me if you want to contact Patrick, and then Patrick probably will be like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> 
All right. I don't know. Should we call it? Should we call it a day? Let's do it. Yeah, that sounds good. All Thank right, you man. very much. This has been great. All right, talkers. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Patrick.